0: Welcome to zero brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? What's up, haters. So today we're talking about easily the worst real game I have ever played. No, I mean, no way. it is. yes, it is. It's a real game because it got an actual official release. you know, it had mm-hmm. people backing it. It has a huge pedigree, a ton of people supporting it. And it is absolute dog shit. It's unplayable. My argument is that it's, it is is not even a video game. It's Night Cry. Oh, yeah. What an introduction. Uh, but before we get too deep into why this is the worst thing I've ever experienced in a video game, uh, of course, as always, this sad, sorrowful, cursed episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. To sign up to support the show directly. You get extra content, lots and
1: lots of it. 30 bonus episodes at this point?
0: Yeah. More, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, 31, More. something like that. Uh,
1: and, of course, we're
0: a game club. We tell you what we're going to play next. You can play along with us. You can go to our Discord, which is always poppin'. Uh, talk about games, talk about food, talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, today's discussion was about uh, British horror dramas there's a couple oh,
1: decent ones so i missed that
0: yeah that was a good one uh yeah okay all right let's go oh, we have t-shirts with. too yeah i wore one today sick <laughs> how's your torso
1: bro good
0: good torso torso's fine
1: <laughs> excellent okay night cry
0: uh, let's get this over with
1: well night cry is a game uh, I see. I'm gonna
0: stop you there because I totally disagree. Uh, I will okay. So, here's the thing about Nightcry: if you don't know, Nightcry is kind of like the original Kickstarter disaster game. Not meaning that it was the first game that was kickstarted, not meaning that it was the first game that was kickstarted and didn't deliver something like that, but like it has the exact same narrative and shape to its story that we now expect from a game like mighty number nine right Mm, actually has a lot in common with mighty number nine
1: um hey they both came out in 2016.
0: oh interesting
1: yeah um the year of the kickstarter disappointment
0: (laughs) yeah exactly so what happened with this game i think the kickstarter was in 2015 i want to say yeah
1: 2014 or 2015
0: yeah And so basically, just like my number nine, uh, a somewhat legendary figure from video games past emerged Mm. and was like, I want to continue my dead series. And fans were like, yes, yes, please continue your dead series. Uh, And then they proceeded to fumble their way through the development, blow their budget, uh outsource way too much to way too many studios use improper tools and eventually deliver something that is not playable
1: it's playable it's not I it. playable it is you not. played it
0: no i did not okay here's okay all right i live streamed this game the reason i did that is because when i tried to play it alone a couple times i couldn't play it for more than 30 minutes Uh, It's so awful. It's horrendous. The UI doesn't work. Nothing in the game works. And here's the big problem. The game is so weird and obtuse that um, you never have any idea what you're supposed to be doing ever like really. never ever. So unless you either have a guide open the whole time and you're very patient or you have someone literally read you a guide, you're not going to get anywhere. You would never guess anything that you're supposed to do in this game and everything has to be done in exactly the right order. It's not a game because it's not playable. It's not interactive either because if you do things wrong, the game just ends and turns off. It's like those websites that people used to make, those like artsy, slightly interactive websites that people used to make, mm-hmm. except if it feels horrible, and you never wanted to
1: experience it. You remember back in 1981 when you played text adventures like Zork, and uh, you would play for 10 minutes and get to a dead end and die and have to start over? Yeah, that was a really like good gameplay experience, and Nightcry brought that back into the modern age. But worse. <laughs> but worse. Um, yeah, so, well, what is Nightcry? <laughs> It's a point-and-click horror game. Uh, and then occasionally, you get stalked by a killer. And you either hide in a closet or under a bed uh, or die. And ju- usually you die.
0: Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, the uh, specter of video games passed that decided mm-hmm. that we needed more of his beautiful work. Is uh, <laughs> Hifumi Kono, uh, the creator mm. of Clock Tower. Now, yep. if you remember the Clock Tower episode, I love Super Famicom Clock Tower, the original. I hate PS One Clock Tower. James likes it for some reason. Um, yes. I don't remember or understand why. I'm just going to breeze past that. But so it's charming. I, he was like, "We need more PS One Clock Tower," which is yeah. something that I fundamentally disagree with but you know I did actually buy and try this game on a super sale a few years ago um, mm-hmm. maybe in like 2017 or so and what's crazy is that this game and is significantly worse yeah, than really Clock is. Tower PS1
1: there are a litany of baffling design decisions that went into this game And I feel like a lot of them are grandfathered in from the PlayStation 1 Clock Tower. Um, Things like having to inspect items multiple times to actually even just pick up the item or having to speak to characters like two or three times in a row to get all of the dialogue and to get them to do something. I would Uh, say
0: that it averages to three per interaction. Yeah. Yeah because it can be anywhere from 2 to 6 and it is never 1. It is never ever
1: 1. Never. No. Yeah. But, but that's something that directly happened in Clock Tower PS1. Um in a baffling design decide- decision back then, um what character you chose was dependent on how many times you talked to a guy at the yeah. beginning of the game. So, like I feel like they were doing that on purpose to kind of like wink and nudge their fans. But, I mean, how misguided was that? Well, the the biggest problem with this is that not only do you have to interact with items and uh, and people to get them to do things, like, over and over again, but the way uh, progression is triggered is sometimes just, like, absolutely baffling. Like, you know you'll need to get a phone call, but you can't get the phone call until you interact with the thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's similar to Disaster Report 4. We talked about in that episode how Mm. there's a really old-school design style to that game where you're just searching for the event trigger that will let you move forward. Yeah, This game has that, but it's also really weird and obtuse. So it's worse, much worse.
1: Yeah, and I mean, everything's broken with this game. Like, the controls are absolutely broken. So in PlayStation Clock Tower... You had a you know mouse control, essentially you, you click around on things. But the way that the environment was presented, it was more like a uh diorama, right? Uh a rectangular room with the front cut out, so you could kind of inspect everything in the room at the same time. But uh Nightcry has a more like quote unquote dynamic camera that moves with you and will change constantly especially at like the ends of hallways and things like that. And uh, it always fucks with you and it's absolutely awful. It just makes moving a chore.
0: Yeah. Movement is impossible. Uh, You click on something and you have no idea what you're clicking on. So you're just constantly clicking on everything as fast as you can and hoping your character goes there. Mm. Um, The movement is horrendous. There's times where you'll get stuck, not even in a corner, just like in a, piece of the map just because it doesn't want to register the click um this i see i think this is a good illustration of my thesis for this game and james i know you have a thesis for (laughs) this game too so my thesis is that in the same way that clock tower ps1 tried to add a bunch of stuff onto the famicom clock tower and Mm. made it worse this game tries to add a bunch of stuff onto the skeletal structure of ps1 clock tower and instead of just making it worse it actually completely breaks the game and makes it unplayable and not a video game
1: well i don't know there's video and it claims to be a game i don't know
0: it's not interactive interactive
1: fiction it is interactive because you can move a character around i mean i don't want to get pedantic here but it is interactive
0: i'm just saying that the amount of work that it takes to play this game outside of the game (laughs) is so absurd that Mm. it's not really a game anymore i guess i would call it a puzzle like a really really hyper difficult puzzle um, if you wanted to call it something um, simply because Mm. you literally have to piece together the different elements to figure out what you're supposed to do. And like the game obscures so much, everything from what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, who you're supposed to talk to, to how you walk left at times, you know, <laughs> that it's like, it's just, it doesn't play like it. There's no play.
1: <laughs> well, okay. There's, there's two different modes. Like there's a regular mode when you're exploring and then um things change a bit when you're being stalked by Scissorman. Um the camera follows you more actively, which breaks it more. Yeah. And so like sometimes it'll like swing wildly and not even show you the way you want to go, but you want to run the opposite way down the hallway. And it's like impossible because of that the angle of the camera. Um it's just it's just totally broken. Like that. Yeah. And that's what it so that's what I mean. Like there's the
0: stuff from PS1 Clock Tower, like having to interact with people a bunch of times, having to solve obtuse puzzles that they take to a logical <laughs> extreme, which mm-hmm. breaks the game. And then there's like the movement and interaction stuff that they also change w- to break the game. So, like having the moving camera, the dynamic camera, it's not at all suited to the point and click interface. And in fact, it's like pushes against it super hard.
1: I feel like instead of bringing the clock tower formula into the modern era it took the clock tower formula and put it into like a sierra adventure game that's mainly trial and error based yeah and they almost concede to that fact because uh, on the menu you can basically like look at the timeline of the entire game and that timeline forks at different decisions that you make so like They knew it was going to be, like, really frustrating for you to get dead games, so they gave you this, like, time traveler thing so you can go back and fix your mistakes. Yeah. It's almost like they knew it was broken.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, I think this game, it started as, like, a bad idea, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I think they knew. I think that's some of the issues that they had with the development was, like, them trying to fix... What at its heart is a bad idea. Um, and it's just crazy to me because, like, if you go and play Clock Tower 3, it feels so much more modern than this mm. game. And Clock Tower 3 came out in like 2004 or something, well, 2003.
1: We talk about remakes a lot. And so, like, I think this is one example of the remake sticking too close to the source material for its own good and then not embracing where video games have gone in the past 25 years.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's also that this game picks and chooses what it takes from the original Clock Tower PS1 cuz that's yeah. this is this is not based at all on Super Famicom Clock
1: Tower. You click around with a cursor and you run and fall over. There's that.
0: Yeah, but everything else is just straight out of like Clock Tower PS1. And so I think the things that they chose to take from it are really bizarre. It's like, they didn't take any of the like good or palatable stuff. Cause like, here's a great Mm. example. The speed of this game, the game speed is just absolutely atrociously slow. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah. And like in the PS one, I hated that. Right. Like in PS one clock tower, I hated that, but it at least like made visual sense. Cause like, the graphics are old the game is old you're looking yeah. at it and your brain is like this is an old game i understand why it's running at the speed with with night cry it's like okay i mean it looks like shit but it doesn't look so old that it should be running at this speed you know what i mean it's almost <laughs> like the you enter an uncanny valley stage of like why is this game this slow
1: yeah well and okay so Many, Most of the reason why I liked Clocktower PS1 is because it was charming. It's got, like, a, uh, you know, uh, a, a uh, Italian giallo feel, right? It's kind of stuck in the 80s, and, uh, I don't know, it, it has that chonky PS1 vibe. And Nightcry doesn't have any of that. Like, if... If you had to compare it to anything in cinema, it would be like that really shitty era in like the mid-2000s where we had like Paris Hilton horror movies and stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's not fun or cool.
0: No. Well, see, it has no vibe. It has no aesthetic. It has and no it, vibe. Yeah, it has sure. no story, really. Another weird thing that it took from Clock Tower PS1 is the... Story without any context. Uh, mm. In Clock Tower PS1, it's actually not a negative point if you've played the original Clock Tower. Like, it it literally just continues the story, so it's fine. Yeah. But we did yeah. mention in the interview that for American players who hadn't played the original, it would have been really weird at the time. And it was weird at the time. I remember trying to play that game and not getting it. Uh, yeah like it was weird that there's no context for the story and you're like what is all this stuff what is happening this game is the same thing except there is no context that exists anywhere (laughs) (laughs) like you just start and you just keep starting new scenarios and stuff is happening but it's like what is this stuff who are these people
1: yeah so like big picture it's like a cruise and apparently this like cult chose this cruise to kill everyone or whatever but there's a uh, a college professor on a trip with his students. Uh-huh. But you don't even understand that context because when you start the game, you just start as this blonde woman named Monica who's, like, had too many drinks and runs funny. Yeah. And so, like, that's all the context you get when you, like, boot the game up.
0: Yeah. it Like, the way that it introduces each scenario is this weird like aerial shot of a cruise ship and that's it. So it's like But the cruise ship interior is so huge and weird and fucked up looking that mm-hmm. hilariously, repeatedly throughout the game, everyone, us and everyone who was watching the stream and talking to us was like, Are you on a cruise ship? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And it's like, Yes, you have just like unlocked the problem with
1: Nightcry. There's three scenarios. You start as Monica. The second scenario, you play as Leonard, who is the uh, college professor. Uh huh. And his chapter happen, uh, takes place on a desert island. Well, not a desert island. It's like a tropical, jungly island. And then the third chapter is you play as, oh god, what's her name? Uh, Rooney? Rooney. I was going to say Mitzi. Yeah. Rooney. <laughs> uh,. Who is a another uh, student of Leonard's, but she's kind of a uh, everyone introvert, ha- yeah. goth girl, suicidal ideation kind of thing. Yeah,
0: so everyone hates her for some reason, and it's never explained. <laughs> but they just keep saying it's like because she's suicidally depressed, which is like a really really weird character trait. Like yeah. not being suicidally depressed, but being the fact that everyone hates her for that it's yeah. like yeah. I mean if this game was actually written and had like dialogue that didn't sound like it was auto generated by a computer it would be off putting but like <laughs> like okay so we're not gonna run through the story in this game we're absolutely no, not, absolutely not. I'm no. banning it it is banned but <laughs> banned <laughs> banned I'm dropping yeah, the ban <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, I will say this that like the story in this game would be bizarre on its own but it's even more bizarre because yeah the dialogue sounds like a bot wrote it yeah and nothing connects or makes any sense but the game is structured in a way as if it does
1: so like AI played 2000 hours of clock tower ps1 and wrote a script yeah
0: (laughs) but like it does the multiple scenarios thing like clock tower ps1 it does the like characters meeting up thing like clocked to PS1 and like people's paths crossing but yeah. like even like so in the first scenario Monica is like talking about her friend and then like you see her friend later in the game but it's like once again you have no context for this and it even takes mm-hmm. I mean you have to talk to her six times to get her to give you the item you need or whatever but <laughs> it's like the fifth time you're like oh wait is this her from the beginning
1: it's like right well, it's okay. horrendous. <laughs> I think they intended for this to be, like, replayed and, like, experimented with. And, you know, ju- just like just like Clock Tower PS1 with the branching paths and everything. But, man, who would want to do that to themselves? And I'm trying to be the one that's, like, defending this game.
0: Yeah, so I did, I did <laughs> want to point this out, too. Once again, if you don't believe me, I have video evidence. But, like james wanted really hard to defend this game even as we're playing it and yet every time i threw out like a super like damning criticism he would just go yeah you're right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i mean clock tower one or clock tower ps1 is like not a great game but i feel like it has some defensible qualities it's charming it's janky blah 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 but this game is just uh i mean i never want to play this game again yeah, I don't even want to watch a YouTube video of this game again.
0: Okay, that's what I said right before we started. Okay, so here's here's the deal. I played four hours of this game. Um, I got most of the way through the game. I would say.
1: I, I would say you got three quarters of the way through the game. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And when we, <laughs> the way that the stream ends is incredible. Uh, I got like the most amazing <laughs> crash ever, where like you get phone calls that you have to trigger by doing random things. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and so I got a so phone. you had you had to walk up this little set of stairs just to get mm-hmm. this phone call
0: yeah <laughs> I had to go to like a part of the screen that you can't even see and that is basically impossible to get to because of the camera angle and control style so I uh, which by the way my take on is that they decided that instead of controlling your character you would coerce them through the game Uh, Just kind of a fun thing. So I coerced my character into this cursed zone. Phone rings. Pick up the phone. Phone doesn't stop ringing. So then the phone is ringing, and we're like, oh my god, am I going to play the rest of the game with this screaming loud uh, phone call going off? Um, And I didn't have to wonder, because two minutes later, the game crashed while Scissor Walker was emerging from a crate. (laughs) So like we just got stuck for like two minutes on this like still of Scissor Walker like doing an idle animation in a crate while a phone was ringing
1: and like smoke was billowing yeah yeah pretty oh amazing sight
0: dude and oh, god damn it I don't even know like that shit was just so out of pocket anyway the point was that I. So it crashed there, and I was like, fuck this. I'm not playing anymore this game. And then I told James, hey, maybe I'll watch the end on YouTube. And so (laughs) last night, I opened it up, and I found a playthrough, and I started watching it. And I watched about 10 seconds, and I was like, honestly, I can't devote any more of my life to this garbage fucking game. It is so hideous to look at. Like, it's just so fucking ugly. It's so off-putting. Even watching someone play it, you can tell how frustrating yeah it is like i I kept telling people in the stream i was like you guys aren't getting the full picture of how frustrating this is but then later when i watched that video i was like oh actually you can kind of see how bad this is Mm um yeah it just hurt
1: okay so for the record you've played and beaten every game for the show this far this is the only one you tapped out on
0: uh, I cheated through blood, which I said in that episode. Sure because yeah. I don't I'm not good at FPSs and I don't really play them. So mm-hmm. I cheated and I really only played the highlights of the maybe the second and third part, but I did legit beat the first part, the first third of that game.
1: Mm.
0: Everything else I've played and beaten. trying to think if there's. i mean if there are exceptions i always say in the episode but yes besides blood i think this is the only game that i did not complete but i played four hours and what was crazy is that like if you look up the how long to beat on this game it's all over the place
1: right yeah one says like 90 minutes yeah and i guess you could if you like never get caught by scissor man because if you get caught by scissor man um this game is not generous with checkpoints. You're probably going to have to like replay a bunch of bullshit, which might end up with you clicking through tons of dialogue.
0: Well, and it was crazy too, because I figured, hey, I'll beat this in three or four hours because I have people just telling me what to do. And yeah. that was absolutely not the case because of how the event triggers work. So it's like, I spent so much time just running around, either lost or like not able to trigger something, just because I did one tiny thing out of yeah. order. You know? Well, let,
1: let's explain the scenario for context. Okay. He needed to uh, turn on an elevator. And to turn on the elevator, you need the key card and you need the fuse. Um, the fuse is in a suitcase, but you can't open that suitcase until you get a phone call that lets you know that that passenger is an electrician. Mm-hmm. So But to trigger that phone call, you have to inspect the card reader on the elevator. And so, I mean, which is like completely nonsensical. So Ollie was like running around for like 15 minutes trying to get this phone call. Yeah. Like, why would the phone call be tied to using the card reader? (laughs) Exactly. Why can't you just like inspect the fucking suitcase before you get the phone call?
0: Yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> it's so and this is why I say that this game isn't playable and that it is not a game is that like everything like that is tied to the most like minute tiny tiny detail and if you don't do everything perfect, you'll literally just be running around.
1: Yeah, that's not a unique experience. There was a there was one point where um you're running on the beach and there's uh and the camera changes and points towards the jungle. You know you have to go through the jungle that way. And like you you go towards the wall of trees and you can't interact with it. What you have to do is go back and like inspect the footprints on the beach like 6 times. Yeah. And then you can progress through the obvious path.
0: Yeah, totally. And it's like even just the basic survival horror puzzles that would be fine in any other game are fucked in this game. Like there's a part yeah. where you have to glue a mask back together. You get pieces. It <laughs> says like broken mask. So you think, oh, I have multiple pieces. And then you get glue. But you can't glue it together because it's actually another piece that you need. And mm-hmm. it's like hidden And then to even get past that, you have to do a weird... This game has QTEs, like a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you have to do some fucking QTEs uh, in this hidden room to not get eaten by a ghost. It's like so ridiculous. Nothing works. Everything is broken. And everything just makes you want to bash your head against the wall.
1: Mm. There's also um, social media integration. (laughs) so at certain points you have to use your phone's um social media app called snap and post snap and post yeah and uh you know warn your students about the guy with the glass eye things like that (laughs) yeah and then you can like scroll through it and see like pictures of neckbeards that donated to this game's development (laughs)
0: yeah it's once again It is really just like the prototype for a totally disastrous Kickstarter game because there's like this really poorly integrated backer content, like just (laughs) normal people's posts on snap and posts that are real photos of them or like one random dude who clearly was a backer who gave them like $10,000 who's just like (laughs) in the game. But he's like a creepy dude who's kind of like perving on you.
1: I think he says m'lady.
0: Yeah, he's like, hello, m'lady, I'm getting very excited. Do you need me to protect you? Wow. It's, like, so fucked. Uh, and, And it's just funny because, like, this is totally just, like, a genre of game, and the only good one, the one that is like these games but actually good, is Bloodstained.
1: Oh, well even i thought that was kind of hokey at certain points when you get into like the art gallery and you see like a bunch of neckbeards paintings on the wall and stuff but it,
0: like at least it wasn't just a fucking picture of them on snap and post dude
1: <sighs> yeah i don't know it, it still feels <laughs> intrusive you know
0: yeah for sure yeah. but it's just like this game just fumbled like everything every possible thing even what's funny is that uh, when we talked a little bit about this in the stream and then I kind of went and looked this up there is a Vita version of this game
1: yeah, came uh, out last year
0: yeah, which is nuts um, and it actually adds features that would have made this game a lot more playable like you can directly control the characters and you can scroll through all the interactables in a room um, yeah. which is a huge problem in this game because the a little icon pops up when somebody's interactable but it's like really hard to find those interact points they're really tiny
1: yeah and some of them you can't see unless you shine your flashlight on them yeah. which means yeah you, your character has to be standing in the right place and pointed the right way
0: yeah totally so yeah it's really 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 bad but like so the vita version added these features that would have at least made the game a bit more playable um, The design would have still been terrible, but at least the interaction would have been better. Yeah. Yet, that version apparently is not beatable. I think it's only the first chapter. Holy shit. Yeah, and it's like a full release game. It's like $30. Wow. Also, um, well, uh,
1: apparently, originally this game was announced for mobile and Vita. And fans were crying blood, so Hifumi Kono started the Kickstarter. And the PC port was a stretch goal, I believe
0: oh crazy
1: so yeah i mean the the 2019 vita version is probably the one that they were planning on making the whole time yeah it's
0: wild like there's just so many bad decisions there's so much bad stuff and once again it's crazy like if you go to the kickstarter page which you still can because they archive that stuff it's still up you can go read all the updates like there's so many legends from the industry who back this game. Someone even worked on it, Masahiro Ito, uh yeah. who did like the Silent Hill designs. Designed Scissor Walker. We've just been saying that. I assume you guys have picked up that that's uh, this game's version of Scissor Man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like Scissor Man, but Silent Hill, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, the music has some like notables uh, on it who've worked on a bunch of like famous games. Symphony Um,
1: of the Night, Castlevania Bloodlines mm -hmm. The the Halo guy, I guess. (laughs) or Metal Gear solid
0: Yeah, it's fine. Uh, The mixing in this game is really bad, so like the music's way
1: too fucking loud Oh, hilariously Um, the soundtrack is $20 on Steam
0: (laughs) Even though like, in-game there's only like four songs that play Yeah So, I don't know like what the rest of it was, or if they just like contracted musicians to do it and then like didn't use it in the game
1: i think it's a lot of spooky sound effects like ambient stuff
0: yeah totally um yeah i mean like god it's such a mess thank you for listening to zero brightness if you'd like to support us directly you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness you can also find and interact with us on facebook instagram and discord All the relevant links are at ZeroBrightness.com We'll see you out there I think like the fun you can have with this game the most fun you can have with this game is kind of what we did like if you can play it with other people and just truly like luxuriate in what a ridiculously horrible game it is Yeah. Um, but it's not even fun like that right like it's not fun in that way but there are some moments James, you had a nice sizzle sizzle reel here of uh, ridiculous
1: moments. You really have to give it the Mystery Science Theater 3000 experience, you know? Um, there's just so many baffling stuff, things in this game. Like, one of the first people you meet, he's like boiling his glass eye in a jar. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody runs really funny. Like, they have a stick up their ass or like they're an alien in a human suit. Right. Um, The way Scissor Walker is introduced in this game is fucking hilarious because um, Monica's boyfriend is buying her a soda from the machine and he just gets sucked into it and turned into a pile of gore. And Scissor, <laughs> Scissor Walker pops out of the fucking soda, um, the, yeah. the fucking hole where the soda comes out.
0: The the way that he the dude gets sucked into the soda machine is so fucking funny because like it doesn't make spatial sense. Like it's a normal sized hole in a vending machine and his body doesn't really get like crunched or anything. So it just keeps changing like camera angles. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really weird. The the other thing, so you mentioned the the run cycles and the character designs. Um, yeah, they're all horrendous, and it's so fucking funny. So like the first character you uh, you control is named Monica, and she is basically like if you 3D modeled and animated one of those really like misproportioned, gratuitous 90s like comic book. Characters
1: or like a plastic surgery disaster from like Moripovich or
0: something, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And so she's, like, got these crazy unrealistic proportions. She has, like, a magic dress that keeps her boobs, like, pointed upwards somehow. Mm -hmm. And then she, like, runs like a caveman. Like, she swings her arms (laughs) and, like, sticks her butt out and hunches her back. Uh, And it's incredible. Like, the first time you see it, you're just, like, your jaw is on the floor. Um, But the funny thing is that later on, the other uh, female protagonist, Rooney, has the same run cycle, but she's like super, super tiny and skinny, like in the same unrealistic way, but opposite end of the character select slider. Yeah. She looks Uh, like
1: Shinji from Evangelion.
0: Yeah. So her doing the run is somehow even funnier. Cause she just (laughs) like the hunch looks more extreme and she's just like swinging her tiny arms. Uh, and then right in the middle is Leonard. who's like a big burly, uh, like refrigerator shaped old man who does this kind of like I don't know, like kind of peppy military run almost. (laughs) But he like can't lift his legs up very far. It's so fucking funny, dude. Like it's unbelievable.
1: Um so my hot take on this game, because I it doesn't sound like it, but I do defend it a little teeny bit because (laughs) there are clock tower diehards out there. And if you like love the PlayStation 1 Clock Tower game and you hate this game, I think you might be a little delusional or in denial about Clock Tower PS1. But I mean, if you love Clock Tower PS1, you might find some redeeming qualities with this game. I mean, I see, I.
0: I sort of agree with you. And going into this game, I 100% agreed with you because I was like, I think this game proves that Clock Tower PS1 is bullshit, and everyone who says it's good is a liar, right? Mm-hmm. Because this game is not that far off, but it's like absolutely horrendous, right? But mm-hmm. then after playing it, like I said, I kind of revised my take to be like, this is if you <laughs> took that game and just perverted the design on every single level and made it to the point where it's not playable
1: it really did suck all the fun out of it yeah just too many dead ends um there, there's no like even when you die it's not satisfying you know i don't know Mm-hmm. and the thing took that, all the fun out of it
0: yeah the thing that i will absolutely give clock tower ps1 is that so it also has three scenarios right yeah, And I think the first two scenarios you can play without a guide completely. Yes. And I know that because I did and I only died once and that was the only trouble I had. Otherwise, like it is a totally playable game and it's not even like tied to the strategy guide. I think the third scenario is bullshit because there's no way you can do that without a strategy guide.
1: Yeah, there's um, a lot of trial and error there. there.
0: But even that scenario is nowhere near as bad as Nightcry.
1: <laughs> it's a really unique experience. I will give it that. Yeah. So it it doesn't have the worst review on Steam. Do you think that's just all the clock tower fanaticals defending their baby?
0: Yeah, I think there's two things happening. One is that, and then the other is just buyer's remorse. Cause like mm. this was a Kickstarter game. A lot of people like paid into this. Well, actually, I take that back because the game.
1: It barely got funded at the the last hour.
0: Yeah. What I mean to say is that I actually think a small group of people paid in a lot to this. Mm. And this game is so niche and it looks so bad that it's almost like genetically engineered to be a game that only people who are going to love it no matter what will play it like right. I yeah. actually think it's pretty rare that someone like me actually stumbled into this game like I did a few years ago.
1: Mm. So th- there was another thing that I did want to bring up that we brought up during the stream um is that this game has big boomer energy. <laughs> and I think we I, we should address that a little bit here in the review.
0: Sure. All right. What were we talking about when we said that?
1: <laughs> well, it this game feels like someone made Clock Tower in 1995, and then never played a video game again until their project Guard kickstarted in 2014. Yeah, so it, it really feels like a dude in his like mid 50s that like was completely out of the loop with all of the advances in gameplay and graphics and player expectations even you know uh maybe he's had his you know nose to the grindstone for the past 20 years in the video game industry and hasn't had a ton- had much chance to look up a- a- around at his uh environment but yeah. uh, this game screams big boomer energy to me
0: yeah we talked about that it's funny playing disaster report 4 and this back to back Cause we said that about disaster report and I still stand by it, but like with this game, it's like even more extreme. Right. And like, even just the things like Monica's character design, you know, the stuff that some of the people say, the attitudes, you know, they're just like, they're off color in that. Like, you know, yeah. 60 year old uncle kind of way. Sure. Um, and yeah, like, the way the game plays is just so horrendous. And, like, you're sort of expected to just be like, oh, it's cool because it's like Clock Tower. Or, like, oh, it's cool because, like, you know, Shinji Mikami said a nice quote for the Kickstarter. <laughs> like, this game has pedigree. We should like it.
1: But we didn't spend an hour shitting on Disaster Report 4, though. Um,
0: It's a much better game.
1: Yeah. It, but it's not a good game, you know? Uh... I, mean. it's, I I feel like it's just um, a very thin razor wire between shitty cool and shitty shitty.
0: Well, and this is why I kept saying that this isn't a game. It doesn't feel like a game because w- with a video game, you can take it apart, right? You can analyze the story and you can analyze the gameplay and you can analyze the graphics and blah, blah, blah. You can do this all day long, but... It's a video game and there is like a sort of gut check, right? Where it's like you pick up the controller or you put your hands on the keyboard and you just start going and you say, does this feel good? Am I having fun? Is there like a tactile satisfaction? Is there something that's pulling me into the game, right? Like, is it using the resources it has? To pull me in and give me an experience that I'm either intrigued by or enjoying or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think something like Disaster Report actually uses its limited resources really, really well. Right? To give you an experience that you end up at least feeling positive about. Right? Like this game does not.
1: So... Uh, Would you consider this game more of a point-and-click or more of a, like, Man of Medan FMV movie type thing?
0: See, I would say that it accidentally becomes a Man of Medan Mm. interactive movie thing. It's not by design, but they made the interactable points in the game so impossible that the only, like I said, the only way you can play it is if you know exactly where to go and what to do. It takes the exploration and interactivity out of it. Mm. Or, like, it reduces it to, like, a super tiny amount, right? And, yeah, like, I really felt more like we were playing something like Man of Medan because of that. I don't think it's by design at all. They intended to make Clock to RPS1.
1: And, okay, so here's my next question, and I think I know the answer already, but... (laughs) how could you fix this game this game
0: is irredeemable burn it with fire that's how you fix it that's my that's my answer i'm sure you have a different answer but it i must like die. I, I think that cuz even like knowing that there's a version where you have direct control and you can cycle through interactables like mm. that sounds better but then once again it doesn't fix the problem of everything being fucking impossible
1: Yeah, this the scenario progression is too far gone. I mean, like so the beginning of the game where you have to fix the elevator and go down it. I mean, you could make that work, right? You could you could lock progression behind something else besides getting a phone call that is triggered strangely. You know? Right. You could lock the door and find a card key and then then you have to figure out the puzzle with the combination on the safe or something like that you don't um, the problem is that the progression is just tied to like just nonsense and yeah without a guide you would literally just have to dick around until you dick around with the right thing that triggered the phone call yeah well so I mean yeah. you could you could rework scenarios like that to work. But then there's then there are things like the uh, the party scene where you just have to talk to some talk to everybody until it lets you go out onto the deck, and then you have to like you have to like click on the railing to start a conversation with a guy. Like there's just no sense behind any of that type of yeah. shit. So I don't I don't know how you would fix stuff like that.
0: Well, and you're hinting at the biggest problem with this game, right? And this is why I think a big reason why this game is so putrid like the control and the ui doesn't work and it's super bad so it's immediately off-putting like i said immediately your gut check is like this sucks right but there's something (laughs) much deeper that creeps in over time as you're playing it which is this game is terminally boring this game (laughs) is absolutely fucking boring and Mm. like the running around and being lost is boring. Trying to find the items is boring. And here's the bigger issue there's because there's no context for the story, you're not being urged onward. You don't feel the need to see what happens or know what happens because you have no context. You have no clue what's going on. Even like when this Scissor Walker character shows up, the only reason you even have context for that is if you've played Clock Tower and you know that this is a Clock Tower type game. Yes. Right? And so. <laughs> You have zero, zero context for this. So, like, you're not curious, you're not interested, you're not urged onward, you're just fucking
1: bored. Like, Also, it's, like, the worst part of the game, just being stalked by Scissor Walker. It's just yeah. like, fuck, let me find the thing I can click on to get rid of him until he gets triggered again.
0: Yeah, totally. And the stuff you have to click on is so fucking stupid, dude. Like, mm. as I was running and you were telling me the stuff to click on, I was, like, baffled right yeah like when i threw a giant garbage can on his head and he ran around like a (laughs) looney tunes character yes it was Mm -hmm. just like what in the fuck you know when
1: the doll attacks you and just flies around in your face until you click on the shelf and push it over
0: yeah what
1: so it's it's like baffling choices
0: yeah you're it's time-based click hunting qte's it's the like that's the worst thing i can possibly imagine right like i can't imagine a worse idea for a game mechanic than that
1: well it it was hard to see items in the ps1 clock tower but the cursor had this like snap mechanic to Mm -hmm. where like if you got close to an item it would snap to it yeah Uh, that's not here and I actually had a harder time than you because I played at a higher resolution, which made pixel hunting even harder oh, because the sure. cursor was smaller on the screen. So oh. it wouldn't turn blue.
0: Yeah. 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 I should have cranked it down to like fucking windows 98 res and then try to play it that way. That may have been better. 240i. Yeah.
1: <laughs> got to interlace that shit.
0: That might've been better actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just like this game is just so, boring it's so off-putting there's no reason to play it
1: would you recommend it to a clock tower diehard
0: no that's see that's like what i was saying originally you had kind of warned me of what your hot take was going to be and i said i actually agree with that because i don't like clock tower ps1 but after actually spending four hours playing the game i think this is such a perversion of that game it's so far below it it's so much worse that like i can't i couldn't recommend it to anyone
1: wow it's also thanks for nothing he flew me kono (laughs) telling you out
0: (laughs) totally well and here's the other thing right so the intention of this game i keep bringing that up because like i'm just trying to get my head around why this game was made at all ever um like the intention of this game was that they would do a clock tower ps1 style game but in the modern day. Yeah. So they had made it clear that they weren't going to do a quote-unquote modern control style. There wasn't going to be controller support, there wasn't going to be direct control of the character. It's going to be mouse and keyboard. But I think fans and people who donated were probably looking forward to things like nice graphics or like a polished experience, right? Mm. That yeah. element of modernity or like maybe better cutscenes, better direction in the cutscenes, like full voice acting, that kind of shit. Um, you play the game and all that shit is absolutely horrendous, like in game. Like all of that stuff is horrible. None of that stuff is in the game. So it's not a modernization. It's worse yeah. than the original.
1: And you know, a lot of point and click adventure games have been kickstarted. And have been pretty successful, you know? Yeah. We have all those salmon max games and the back to the futures and all that shit. So yeah, totally. Um, my next question is if we were ever to see a next iteration of the, uh, clock tower, not really series anymore, but the, you know, the next clock tower experience, what would you want from that? Would you want it to be like a interactive film, like man of Medan, but starring Scissor man? Uh, make it like a throwback thing, like a '70s Quentin Tarantino styled like throwback deal.
0: I think I'm good, man. <laughs> I mean,
1: here's the here's the thing that I
0: think is interesting about that is that we got two modernizations at the time of Clock Tower. We got Clock Tower Three and we got Haunting Grounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It seems like people aren't talking about or playing those games as much. It's like, maybe go play those games and then talk about where the quote unquote series is quote unquote going. Cause mm. Nightcry ain't it chief. Like, this ain't even part no. of the conversation.
1: Well, I mean it has to be now. Yeah. Because it exists.
0: But it's like <laughs> it's, it's such a just such a fart, just such a piece of shit, dude. Like holy shit. I mean, well, I don't know. Well, let me ask you that question. What would you want out of a new clock tower game?
1: Okay clearly the best part of the Clock Tower, the good Clock Tower game, and, you know, extending that a little bit to the PS1 game, is its style. Okay, it's got a great you know, Italo prog soundtrack. It looks like an Argento movie. You're a teenage girl getting stalked, trying to survive in a maze-like environment. Um, I mean, why can't you go back to something like that. Uh, I don't like QTEs really, so I wouldn't do that, but, you know, there have been a lot of, you know, pretty successful point-and-click adventure games that have come out recently. Even something, you know, like The Cat Lady, you know? Um, you know, that game has its problems, but I feel like it, it has more of the spirit of something like Clock Tower than Night Cry has. Um, yeah, something that's open-ended and sandboxy. Like you're like obsessed with those Hitman games since you finally play them, right? Um what about like a big sandbox mansion, you know, like the Paris stage in Hitman. But yeah. instead of you stalking your targets, you're being stalked by, you know, a killer while you try to uncover this mystery.
0: Yeah, see, here's the thing though. That sounds cool, right? Like I'm with you. It could be like a Mr. X thing, you know? But here's the problem is that Clock Tower as a series is not a strong foundation because it's not even really a series. Like <laughs> here's here's the Clock Tower timeline, right? Let me break this down for you. Okay, Clocktower Super Famicom. First game, really unique. It's kind of the only game in its style, right? Then there's a couple of PS1 Clocktower games. They have their fans. Some people like them, but they're very dated and they're very flawed. That's not debatable,
1: right? And, and Clock Tower PS One kind of ends the story, like the Jennifer story arc. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. So then after that, they make Clock Tower Three and Haunting Grounds. Yeah. One of those is not even in the Clock Tower series technically. Mm -hmm. it just kind of has everything that you just listed and actually if you haven't played clock tower 3 which i'm pretty sure you haven't right james i have
1: not but i picked it up recently
0: yeah you really need to play it because it has a lot of the stuff that you're gonna want it's very ps2 style but it's pretty close to a lot of the stuff that you just said you wanted so i think you should play it and from what i understand hifumi kono is not involved at all correct that's the thing is that Clock Tower 3 and Haunting Grounds are both pretty hard reboots of the series Yeah, it's literally like someone like you just made the list that you just made and then was like okay now I'm the director let's make this game right Mm -hmm. like they recognize that like the the, at least the sequels like the PS1 era it's so flawed and it's so fucked that the game would have to be completely rebooted you'd have to take the creator off of the fucking game like it's such a it became such a mess and that's where the series is at there's an original game there's two sequels that are nothing like it two more sequels that are essentially reboots and not connected to each other or the series and then there's this weird spiritual successor that's like an absolute nightmare so it's like to me i I mean why why try to keep this going it's fucking dead man well
1: yeah well modern horror games have tried to do the you're being stalked by a killer thing you know alien isolation games like outlast um i mean i feel like clock tower was one of the first games that did the you're being stalked by a killer thing and uh I don't know. It's a shame that its legacy sucks so much. Yeah, and I man. think Scissorman is pretty, com- pretty compelling uh, per- antagonist. See,
0: I disagree. It's just so hokey and stupid. like this weird,
1: goofy, deformed child. I think it's
0: just hokey and stupid. Like it works in the first one, and it's. I'm not saying it shouldn't exist or something. Like I still love the first game, and like mm. I look back on it fondly. But it's just like. I don't get why people keep trying to drag the bloody corpse of Nightcry across the floor and into the future, man. <laughs> Just
1: leave it. Leave yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's not like... Uh, I mean, point-and-click adventures are like pretty niche now. There are, you know, very few games like that get, gain any traction. I mean, I think Disco Elysium is one of the very few...
0: But it's also, these games aren't point-and-click adventure games. They never have been. I mean, the first two you could only control with a controller and all of them had a timed action element. Um, and especially with the 3D ones, any of the 3D entries, like, they don't play or have the same pacing or style of a point-and-click adventure game. Like, but there's you certain similarities. And you but not yeah. even in the same way. Like, especially playing Nightcry, I... I didn't even for a moment think of a point and click adventure game. You know what I mean?
1: Really? When you're yeah. like walking around and inspecting items and talking to people and stuff. That seems pretty classic point and click to me.
0: But it's just the way that it works and the things you need to do. It just did not strike me as like a classic point and
1: click. Um Well, it's definitely not a classic.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. But I just think even something like The Cat Lady, which changes the formula quite a bit, still has the basic flow and feel of a point-and-click adventure game
1: like yeah it's not so like absolutely nonsensical in terms of progression
0: yeah and it really does feel like um some of the smaller shorter point-and-click adventure games um yeah you know like it's really reminiscent of that this game isn't and i think it's really the timing like action element that's always been in these games
1: yeah it's baffling i mean even the third chapter where you get to play like a big chunk of the ship where you're running around with like the movie theater and there's like a closed store and like a nursery and there's no reason for like half of those rooms to e- even exist yeah and i don't know it just seems like a huge waste and when you watch the credits of this game there's so many teams involved like they outsource absolutely everything yeah. Like the characters were designed by this one uh, company, and the cutscenes were directed by another company, yeah. and the animations were done by someone else. And it's it's just such a piecemeal mess.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, okay. My original pitch for the Nightcrawler episode was that uh, uh, we would just talk about Hitman. <laughs> uh, but then we decided that that would be disrespectful to Hitman because I haven't played enough of it yet. Uh, but I am. And it's very- the best game ever made i I respect that now, having played a bit of it i'm not I'm not it's, gonna say I agree. it's the
1: best game of the console generation
0: I'm just I haven't played enough to to agree or disagree <laughs> with that I'm not gonna I'm but I respect that. I've played enough to see why you would feel that way because the game fucking rocks, right And what was funny is that when I started playing it uh, and and this will relate somehow to Nightcry for the listeners <laughs> um, <laughs> When I started playing it, the first message I sent to James, I think, was something along the lines of, "Hey man, did you ever play Mission Impossible for the N64? <laughs> because <laughs> there are a couple of like stealth levels in that game where you have to wear disguises, change your disguise, copy people's faces and not mm-hmm. do any combat, set traps, do that kind of thing. Like infiltration levels, probably a better way to put it." Yeah. Um and those were like so amazing for the time like the infiltration levels in uh, Mission Impossible for the N64 at the time were mind blowing they were even beyond something like Metal Gear Solid because you could blend in you could wear disguises you could wear people's faces because it has the stupid mm. face scanner gimmick that they use in every Mission Impossible movie Yeah, you know? and like those were so fun and so cool and I never saw anything like that again until playing Hitman and I was like holy shit, it's like someone took this little kernel of an idea that's like a couple levels in Mission Impossible 1998 <laughs> or whatever for the N64 and then they blew it up and made this insane, huge artfully crafted video game out of it, right? Yeah. Like, that's what something like the original Clock Tower or Clock Tower PS1 would need to exist in the modern day. Mm, Somebody... Yeah clearly not fucking Hifumi Kono clearly like somebody would have to look at that game and say this is the kernel of an idea that is like beautiful that you could then grow into this huge gigantic amazing game or experience or whatever
1: so are you looking forward to the next game by Nude Maker <laughs> is, are they still a company like I have no idea I can't imagine. Like, this game,
0: the only press it got was like, wow, this development is, like, not going well, huh? <laughs> like...
1: Actually, Nude has been involved with uh, a bunch of stuff, but Night Cry it was its last published game.
0: Mm. So they're probably, like, a support studio, maybe?
1: Yeah, they worked on Steel Battalion uh, yeah. and other things. None of them <laughs> are very notable.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, this game is just,
0: it's a mistake. Um, It's sad. Cancel Nightcry. Cancel Nightcry. Nightcry's canceled.
1: Uh, Play it for one hour and 59 minutes and then refund it on Steam. (laughs) Dude.
0: Yeah, I don't even think I got that far. I think I maybe played it for 45 minutes and I couldn't figure out what to do or where to go. (laughs) And I was like, can't look at this lady run anymore. I can't do it
1: great game oh yeah and before it was patched you couldn't even quit the game from inside it you had to like alt tab out can't quit can't quit
0: i can't quit playing that craft forever can't quit
1: that's how they get you man
0: yeah all right well
1: uh 0.5 out of 10
0: oh i like you threw a little 0.5 in there a little sauce
1: i mean it did like it worked i mean you have to give it credit for like that like I played through it and beat it.
0: Yeah, I got that sweet crash though.
1: Yeah, you lucked out, man. <laughs> yeah, sneaky some bitch.
0: I got out of playing. I was good. Well, I guess I played three hours and forty minutes because I just refused to start it up and try and replay those last twenty.
1: You like Couldn't. opened up your PC case and jiggled your RAM so the game would crash, <laughs> <laughs> like a Nintendo sixty four game.
0: I turned it sideways and it crashed.
1: Yeah, well, there it is. That's
0: the N sixty four trick.
1: Open your you opened your disc tray while the game was playing <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: yeah, my disc copy of night cry that I have yeah love it
1: yeah I can't wait for the switch port oh, with Jesus. touchscreen screen controls
0: oh man when will the pain end <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so all right.
0: game club game club all right so next two games alone
1: in the dark 1992 Big distinction. LA ninety two. Body <laughs> count, motherfuckers.
0: Uh yeah, dude. Uh the original Alone in the Dark, Survival Horrors, Dad.
1: Infogroms. Infogrames? <laughs> How do you
0: I always said infograms but who knows?
1: It's like a armadillo, right? A rainbow armadillo. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. That's cool. I think so. Yeah. That should
0: make you feel at home.
1: Yeah. A little yeah. tumbleweeds.
0: Yeah, dude. Little Texas, little Texas hot sauce on that logo. Yeah, um, it looks
1: like a little rainbow spiral armadillo, like a slinky armadillo.
0: I could see that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's survival horror's dad, not its grandpa, which is Sweet Home, but it's dad, and we're gonna (laughs) see.
1: It's creepy uncle that lives in that house with the basement.
0: Yep, we're gonna meet that dad.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I want to meet that dad.
0: And then after that, it's Amnesia.
1: Yeah. And that's like uh, Survival Horror's like, uh, 10-year-old child that changed the game. The genius <laughs> baby. The overachiever. Yeah. yeah. That's going to get depressed in its teens and uh, become an underachiever.
0: Yeah, we talked a little bit about it in a couple episodes. You know, in the Hide-Em-Ups episode and in the SOMA episode. Yeah. I kind of gave some like basic hot takes on that game but i have been replaying it recently and uh yeah it'll be fun to have a more in-depth discussion it's a really important game you know for the modern horror landscape so it's one of those games it's just Uh, one of the baton
1: was passed when amnesia came out let's just say that oh yeah totally
0: and we've already covered so many games that are inspired by it that you gotta do it you gotta do it
1: yeah so i guess that's it kids
0: Alright, don't let cry too hard.